As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So, the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with AMB, your high state podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasserman. Ari, there's a lot of shit going on, but I, w- I want to start here, and this can be a very brief conversation, but I just I just want to see where you're at. I'm looking at these playoff rankings. There's no shot, right? I think there's no <laughs> shot. Like, I mean, you can like, talk yourself into it. I just think the reason why there's no shot is because even if Michigan loses, they probably would still go, right? Over Ohio State if it Over came Ohio to that. State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like yeah. I think I think Michigan is Ohio State's roadblock and like I see a lot of Ohio State tweets in the atmosphere of just like what if all these four things happen and just like let it go, dude. It's over. <laughs> like you, yeah. you know. Yeah. And all those things aren't going to happen anyway, so you know, but they need what well, so in theory you would need Michigan to lose, Cincinnati to lose, and Bama to lose, and then all of a sudden you're like in a one head-to-head battle with Notre Dame. Like, like yeah, or you need Oklahoma State yeah. to lose also. Like, you need four teams to lose, right? Like, is a one-loss Cincinnati team going to go and get left out over a two-loss Ohio State? Probably, I, w- I would think. I would think yes, but yes. I don't think Michigan would. I don't think I think Michigan is is has cemented itself ahead of Ohio because the other thing with this too is like uh, we have we've had this conversations previous years like do you punish the team that made the conference championship and had to play the extra game 
and I, I don't know. I don't think Iowa's going to score a freaking point. So I, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I also think it's a moot point because Michigan's going to win. But uh. yeah, I mean, if Michigan, if Michigan loses to Iowa, that would be like the most disrespectful thing to the rivalry that they could have done. <laughs> like I just feel like yeah. after all that, the build, the build, the build to get there, you just like shit your pants. It would be like, it would almost be like Harbaugh didn't beat Ohio State at all. So like I, I hope yeah. for their sake that you know. Listen, I know that people who listen to this podcast hate Michigan, and I know that, you know, it's probably something that you're going to remember for a long time, and I get that that would be annoying. But Michigan moving forward and actually doing something now, I think, makes things better. It's like kicking the crap out of Michigan in the past was probably fun, but I feel like it's better when they're good. Like, I feel like it's better when you accomplish something in the, in the meantime, you know what I mean? And I think it like this year would have been okay because Michigan was, you know, only a one loss team in the big 10 championship birth was on the line, but I don't know. Like do, do Ohio state fans, like, are they rooting for Michigan to lose on Saturday? Yeah. I, 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 just, I, just, I just feel like, I just feel like, yeah, I don't know. They don't want to see that team go to the playoff and potentially win. I mean, no one's going to touch Georgia, I don't think. But I just feel like I don't, if, I don't if think Michigan they want to see to Michigan win. four quarters away yeah. from winning a national championship. I don't know. Maybe I have galaxy brain sometimes. It's just like if I were an Ohio State fan, it would irk me to the core of my stomach that the entire playoff field sucks ass, except Georgia, and that like Ohio State is in theory or probably a better team than everybody who's going, including Michigan. And it's like I if was there was going to say, isn't it possible that Ohio State also sucks ass? Yeah, yeah, I know. I guess Ohio State <laughs> does suck ass, but like, I would take talented suck ass over just ceiling suck ass. Like Michigan and the way yeah. that they played their game against Ohio State the other day was them playing at their absolute pinnacle peak. Like that's mm-hmm. that's that was like the best version of what Michigan could ever be, and Ohio State was just like the ass version of itself. And they lost by whatever they lost by. And I'm not saying they didn't get their ass kicked, because they did. But the thing with Ohio State and the thing about Alabama and all these other teams that I always talk about is that when their light turns on, none of these, like Oklahoma State, these teams aren't built the same way. So it is funny to me that like Georgia is going to have the easiest path in the history of the playoff to a national championship. Like if Georgia, unless Alabama wins the SEC championship game and they got to play them again, if Georgia's path is beating Cincinnati and then beating Michigan, like, what are we doing? What do you mean, what are we doing? No, I'm just saying, like, that's that path, let's compare it to the other paths of the last champions. Let's compare it to the other fields of who was in the playoffs the last five years. This The, the playoff field this year is comprised of the four best, most deserving teams in college football, but it is ass, my dude, when you compare it to any of the last five or six playoff fields in totality like i would be interested in actually i don't want to do that here because it would take too long but i i would be interested in someone doing that research to see if you actually came to that conclusion i know the names are different and the brands are different i don't know if the teams are all i I know there were some pretty shitty playoffs the last few years that we're not remembering like if you think about the 2019 ohio state team that got knocked out in the semifinal that team would maybe be the best team in college football this year like that team would win the national championship this year, I bet. It'd be a close yeah, game probably. with Georgia, but that like last year's Alabama team was all time. Like we can go down the list. The 2019 team that won the national championship, the LSU team, was one of the best teams of all time. 
Like who won it all in eighteen? Alabama. Like I mean, like all these these teams that won. Clemson won in eighteen. Or Clemson won in eighteen, and then Alabama won the nineteen. With like a true Clemson quarterback. and Clemson, when they won the championship the last time, was Clemson in its purest form. I'm just saying, like the idea that the the playoff field could be Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, Michigan, and Georgia is a joke. Oh, I don't think it's a joke. I think it's fun. I I think that it's great. It'll be fun to watch. It's cool that there's new blood. But if Georgia doesn't win the national championship team this year, they should just wrap it up. Like I don't even curse, know what we're doing. Curse program. Curse program. I think this is the first time in the history of the playoff era where the national championship favorite before um, – or the national championship odds, the favorite before conference championship weekend is minus 400. Like, that's insane. Yeah. They're good. They're pretty good. I'm excited to Georgia's watch Georgia's really good, but there aren't a lot of speed bumps on the way. Like, there's no reason why Georgia should lose. Like, Michigan is not going to score a point if they play Georgia. Yeah. They won't be able to push Georgia's defensive line, and then Cade McNamara is going to be thrown against five-star safeties everywhere. It's going to be a bloodbath. Tune in in a month when Michigan beats Georgia for the national yeah. title. Um, anyway, I didn't re- – that, that went – a place I didn't think it was going to go, but I, I think don't uh, talk to wrap about it up, the playoff with me and then be surprised when we go down <laughs> to ten minute round. Yeah, I don't really think Ohio State fans give a shit about who's going to win the national championship this yeah. year as long as it's not Michigan. Um, I think Ohio State is probably like stuck at seven. I think the pieces will move around them, but no matter how rightfully it so out, too. By the way, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they don't deserve yeah, the yeah. game. Um, they played. They lost their two biggest games. Um, anyway, college football's on fire. Uh, I, I would like to take this moment to announce that I am leaving uh, four to six with A and B to go to a different podcast. It's going to pay me a hundred million dollars over ten years. So sorry, Ari. I know we had a shot to go to the playoff, but but I'm abandoning you for for the for the bag. You know, is it like the? And I think like let's just give them an, a, a preview of what we're going to try to talk about on this episode, so we don't lose people. We're going to talk about what we believe Ohio State should do from a staff change, or whatever. But they're just. With their staff, where they are as a program, we're going to try to, you know, over the next few well, all weeks. these All this movement impacts it, I think. Right? Yes, I think there's, yes. there's, there's recruiting impacts in Ohio State. There's, uh, I suppose, staff impacts potentially for Ohio State as all these new coaches are trying to put stuff together and, like, who might become available and, and who might not. Um, I guess let's start with the recruiting because there, there was news. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, a little later than we normally do. Uh, there was news on Which Wednesday. Which is great night. because – yeah, it worked out well. It, it would have been weird if we recorded yesterday before all the stuff went down. So yeah, uh, Devin Brown, former USC quarterback commit, who I I think maybe some people thought wondered if there was a potential opening for him to go back there once Lincoln Riley took that job. Um, I didn't really think there was um, because I just figured Lincoln Riley was going to like bring Caleb Williams to USC or go get somebody else. Um, Devin Brown committed to Ohio State on Wednesday night, number five quarterback in the class of 2022. The 15 highest rated quarterbacks in the last three recruiting classes, regardless of class in the 247 composite, four of them, three are on Ohio State's roster and a fourth committed on Wednesday night. I know we've talked about it before, but like I, I it's still not it's always going to shock me when Ryan Day is like able to pull this off. I don't know. I don't know how they do it. I will say one thing. I will give Ohio State's marketing department an A plus. Did you see the graphic that Devin Brown tweeted out? Graphic was pretty sweet. Gambling on myself, like that's yeah. got to be the sales pitch, right? Of just like, yeah. well, how does Ryan Day continually do this? It doesn't make any sense. You know, I also too. 
you'd think that Devin Brown would just be like, I'm going to go play for Lincoln Riley in L.A. Like, like that's the thing, and I don't know how, how hard that USC pursued him uh, since Riley was hired, but Lincoln Riley's made three Heisman finalists, you know? Three Heisman yeah, Ryan winners. Ryan Day's made two first-round draft picks. Like, yeah, I, no, I no, I'm not. I'm not saying that but. he's dumb for going to Ohio State. I'm just saying, like, there was a clear and easiest, an easy, obvious, and understandable, rational path of least resistance just to go to USC right now. So, yeah, but I don't. And he was already committed there, and we don't know. if I don't he had even that know. Option. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if they he he talked with them to be honest. Because it happened it so quickly. It didn't, seem like, yeah. it didn't seem like it. It seemed like once he decommitted from USC, like he kind of burned the boats, even though he said he didn't. Um, and then it was Ohio State, Ole Miss, and Texas. Yeah. And Texas seemed to be like leading the way there for a minute. But, you know, mm-hmm. the sales pitch is gamble on yourself. He embraces that sales pitch. They make a casino, him rolling the dice and one and five on the dice. Did you notice that? I did notice that. Yeah, it was really cool. It, was a, I, it, like, I, it, it didn't. It didn't hit me. I was like, wait. I was like, wait. Is Devin Brown like from Vegas? Like, what is? What is this? And I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> also, that to me is the per, the epitome of what you would want out of a quarterback committing, right? Absolutely. If, if you if yeah. you want if you want podcasters like me and you to be confused about why another quarterback would come into this program when it's already log jammed, and he thinks I'm going to gamble on myself then that's the only explanation that anybody would need. He thinks he's good. He is good. All of these guys are good. Someone's going to win. Yeah, Someone's going to lose. But somebody who probably believes in themselves enough as a leader and as an athlete to go into a log jam at Ohio State and feel like they're going to win. And here's yeah. the other thing. And in the world of the portal where Jack Miller, I don't even know if we've said it on the podcast, but Jack Miller is now in the portal. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to switch your circumstance, so you have nothing to lose by trying. Yeah, and I would get—I I, total—I think I said this before. I totally get wanting to bet on yourself and taking a swing at being the starting quarterback at Ohio State. And if you look at the how the room sets up, like I guess it's possible that come next fall, maybe it's even likely that come next fall, one of Quinn Ewers or Kyle McCord is not there. Um, and even if they both are, it's like C.J. Stroud is the starter for probably next year, and then he's gone. And then it's like you take your chances competing against the other two or, th- or one or two guys in the room to be the starter in 2023. So I, I – and if you're not, whatever. You've got four years left and you can go find something else if that's what you want to do. Like it's – there's a, there's a risk, I guess, removed from this equation now with the, with the transfer portal being the way it is. And, and frankly, it might even make it easier for Ryan Day to do this. Um, to, to bring in these guys each year. Not that he wants them to leave. Like, clearly, he wants them to stay, but but I think everyone is sort of realistic about it. It's like, come here, get developed for as long as you want to, compete for the starting job, and if you don't get it, you leave no hard feelings and, and just kind of go your separate ways. So you know the whole gamble on your on yourself mantra? Yeah. We're going to start a game show right now called Bill Landis Gamble on Yourself. Okay. If you're wrong on this answer, you no longer live. That's gambling okay. on yourself. <laughs> Quinn Ewers... Years as a starter over under 0.5 at Ohio State. I was thinking about this last night, actually. Like, is gamble the, on is yourself, the, Dollar B. <laughs> oh, well, point, point 0.5. I, I think I would say over because if he's like the generational dude we all think he is, like, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll say that he will start at some point. But I was also thinking to myself, like, say he is the starter, is the kid who left high school early to come make NIL money? going to be a starter for more than one year if he's that good? <laughs> like, is he just going to start one year and leave? 
because even if that because if you think that might be the case too, and you're someone like Devin Brown, you might be more willing to stick around. Do you think that CJ Stroud or if CJ Stroud wins the job next year, that Quinn Ewers will stay? Yes. So if you think that, then I would. Well, take the I over. think one of them. I think I think one of them will stay at least. I don't think they're going to lose both those guys. What do you mean? Like it's not. You're gonna, including I don't think C- in that discussion. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is if C.J. Stroud is named the starting quarterback next year, do you believe that Quinn Ewers will stay? I do. Or do you think that he has a thought process that he is going to be a starter next year? I, I think he probably has the thought process that he can become the starter at some point next year. Doesn't have to be for the first game against Notre Dame. So you don't think that we're going into a situation where it's like in the spring, you better decide who it's going to be or I'm out? I mean, we could be. Like Quinn Ewers, I think, has zero leverage in trying to do that. So like if that's the way he wants to play it, more power to him. I don't I don't think Ryan Day is going to be like, no, oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Like, we're like, okay, dude, if that's the way you're approaching it, see you later. I think, yeah. I think that's how Ryan Day would approach it. Um, but no, I think – I. my guess is that – They'll have three scholarship quarterbacks in the fall. Maybe a fourth if they bring in a transfer. So you're saying that either McCord or yours will be gone. I think one of those guys. One of the three after the spring. Not Devin Brown, obviously. No, no. One of the three of McCord, yours, and and Stroud will leave after the spring. It's probably not going to be Stroud. Because Ohio State just doesn't operate that way. They don't make changes that quickly. If there's an abrupt change. Like, when's the last time there was an abrupt change at quarterback? Like, somebody's arm had to fall off. Like, yeah. If they're not going to, they're not going to just gonna, bench CJ in April. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, right. yeah, it's just an interesting dynamic. But if you're three starting, if your three quarterbacks on the roster next year are Stroud, McCord, and Brown, or Stroud, Ewers, and Brown, that's a really good room that you would be surprised to have intact and they transfer. I mean, that's incredible still. So, like, if, if there's a natural succession here, if we could just be, like, actually trying to predict the future right now, Stroud starts for one more year next year, goes to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Ewers then plays one year, goes to the NFL, then Devin Brown in year three of his career would be the starter. And that would be a natural succession, to borrow the uh, HBO title. Like, let's put them all out on a jetway and see if we can take a picture of these guys by an airplane. But, like, it's just... Right. That would make sense to me. And, like, to me... Think, yeah, yeah. If you believe in Ryan Day and the reason why you want to gamble on yourself is to be coached by Ryan Day, then if I were a recruit, I would be like, I don't give a crap if it takes till year three. I want to be the starting quarterback at Ohio State. And if I'm a year older when it happens, I'm a year older when it happens. And then I'm going to go get the bag. Like... I don't, I don't understand the idea of I'm going to go to Ohio State for a year or two and then I'm going to go be the starter at Iowa State. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, if you're going to come to Ohio State, then you should be okay waiting two or three years. Yeah, and I guess, like, that, to use the, like, and I, I know Jack Miller just went into the portal, right? But he stayed here for two years. So it's not like, he stayed here for two years when he had, like, no one ever thought he was going to play. Like, he, he had... As soon as Kyle McCord showed up, like Jack Miller got jumped on the depth chart, and Jack Miller still stuck it out for for another year. So I don't I don't think it's that crazy to think that you know Kyle McCord or Quinn Ewers would be willing to do the same. Um, 
especially if they think they're getting developed in a good enough way that, that the thing I think is a little bit them. different with Quinn Ewers, and this might not be a fault of his own, but the way that he is described, the way that his recruiting ranking implies that he is, and the way that he's being paid from NIL deals right now, I think changes a person's brain chemistry. Like I don't think yeah. that Quinn Ewers and Jack Miller have the same brain chemistry. They're also, and you know, we're talking. No offense to Jack Miller, we're talking about different calibers of quarterback too. Yeah, with so, with both McCord and, and I'm very Ewers, curious yeah. to see what happens to Jack. Like, I wonder if he's going to be the starter at ASU next year, or like if he's not a starter at all. Like, I, I, I like I'm very curious to see exactly how good he is because I think that would give us some context about how good Ohio State's quarterbacks actually are. It's like when Tate yeah, Martell left, I had no yeah. idea whether or not not to get you. Uh, you know, all hot and bothered right now talking about Tate Martell, but like I, I had no idea um, what to expect. Like, was he going to go to Miami and be like a fun quarterback that was awesome, or is he never, or is he going to go to UNLV and play receiver? Like, I had no idea which one it was going to be. In my heart, in my heart, he was going to go to Miami and be a fun quarterback who was awesome, but. Alas, that that has not happened, and I, and I think I think the ship has sailed on that one. I think it would have just I, been I, yeah. so fitting for the type of person that he was. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm curious to see what happens to Jack Miller as well. I, th- I figure like Arizona, Arizona State, right? But then like Spencer Rattler also went in the portal. So does he jump the line of, of, of Arizona quarterbacks looking to return home? Probably. Does Spencer um, Rattler suck? Is that the thing now, or like, did he just have a rough few games? Like, I just don't know. Or, or like, is Caleb Williams just super special? I think Caleb Williams is super special, and Spencer Rattler uh, throws the football like an insane person. Just like, doesn't pretend, throws the football like defense doesn't exist, which is not a, a great trait for I a quarterback. I wonder if the Caleb Williams scenario is like what Ohio State's looking down the barrel of. Yeah, it's the Caleb Williams scenario. It's the Trevor Lawrence scenario. Mm-hmm. It's certain. It's hundred percent on the table. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that I think that C.J. Stroud is better than Kelly Bryant, and based off of recent performances, I would say that he's better than Spencer Rattler, even though they're different players. So um, that also changes the calculus on Ohio State's end too. But I think, yeah, I think it's on the. T- I, I don't think I don't think anything's ever going to be billed as like an open competition for the quarterback job. It's C.J. Stroud's going to happen, and, and, and rightfully, I. Th- Rightfully, I, I think he it should be his job. He's played well enough this year, for sure, that, that like he is the starting quarterback. But who knows what's going to happen next year? I, don't, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. So it's on it's on the table, even if I think it's less likely to happen here than it than it was at. Those have you watched Evan Brown's film? I have. What is your uh, What is your take on the way that he plays and? Uh, really good your, fit. Your X's and O's. I think a really good fit for what they want to do, um, and that is like the the like play action, throwing off of movement, push the ball down the field kind of stuff. Excuse me, I have the hiccups. Um, yeah, I like he he. I actually, it's kind of funny. People probably know this. Is I think I think Burn might have tweeted about it on on Wednesday when Devin committed. Uh, 
Devin is from Arizona and played his first three years of high school ball in Arizona and just transferred to Utah for a senior season. When he was in Arizona, his high school coach was Joe Germain. And I talked with Joe Germain on Wednesday night about Devin um, for a story I'm hoping to write. Later this week, I got to talk to another person or two, but um, that's the thing that Joe Germain said too: is that is that the, his ability to throw the ball down the field is like that the, his special trait, the special trait that Ryan Day says you always look for in a quarterback. For Devin Brown, that's that's vertical passing game. Um, probably could do if you, if you read some of the stuff from people who were like at, at Elite Eleven and saw him in a different setting. I think they talk about improving kind of like layering throws and, and throwing the ball in the middle of the field and that kind of stuff and, and knowing when the, to change your speeds a little bit. But like straight fastball, throwing it down the field, really special um, and, and can move. I think he's a pretty good athlete. Um, seems like he's a pretty confident kind of tough dude. Um, so I think he, he checks a lot of boxes for them. Um, and his his high school film is fun as hell to watch because it looks like he played in, a, in like a wide open throw it 45 times a game type of offense in Utah. But when he was in Arizona, he played in kind of like a more pro style type of system that Joe Germain tried to, you know, base off of the, the offense that the Rams had when Joe was drafted there. So he's got experience in some different offenses too, which I think is good. Yeah. Ohio state's class jumped up to number four nationally. Um, I think that that is probably the ceiling of where they'll end up this year. Yeah. And we can, let, let's get into some of that. So, and you've been, you've been doing a lot with the, the Lincoln Riley move to USC and like the, the recruiting fallout of that. Uh, how do you feel about hey, well, Zion before we branch? Go, before we go into that, uh, the branch brothers seem to be all USC right now from what I can tell. Um, but you know, when urban Meyer was the, was the, uh, rumored candidate for the last two years for USC, mm-hmm. the way that it actually turned out for SC is there anybody that they could have hired within reason that could have that could have matched the juice that Urban would have brought remotely as close as Riley came to duplicating that? Like to no, me, I, I think, feel like I USC think, I think West Coast is is closed off now almost, right? It feels kind of feels that way. Like is the U was did USC hit the biggest grand slam imaginable? Like could outside of hiring Nick Saban, which was never going to happen, could they have hired a more perfect fit to make them cool again? No, I don't think so. So it'll be very interesting to see how Ohio State's foot... Like, they're not going to get everybody in Southern California. But I think that recruiting California just got a hell of a lot harder. Yeah. Especially offensive players. I think you're right about that. And, you know, it's not... Ohio State has been really good the last decade, I would say, or almost decade of finding those pockets, those weak spots to attack and exploit and get really good players. So I don't have much doubt that if, if California becomes tougher that they won't find somebody else to go to or someplace else to go to. I think they will. Um, but it's not it's not insignificant that, that it's going to be more challenging to recruit there, especially the offensive players, like you said, quarterbacks in particular. Um, it's like almost like one last parting gift with Brown. I'm just like, okay, yeah. we're going to get Devin Brown, and I know that he's not from California, but a USC commit. You can take West him. West Coast guy. West Coast yeah. guy. And then now, because like the thing that I think about USC too is that, and I don't know where their class is going to finish up because I think they only have like five commitments right now, and they're like in the seventies in their twenty twenty two class. I think twenty twenty three will be the class that we really start to see them jump. But I think that they are automatically going to have top five classes every single year moving forward, and it's not just going to be because they are recruiting California well. I think USC is going to become an, a, a national brand again and one of the cool brands at the opening that everybody's talking about and kids in Georgia and Illinois and Pennsylvania and all these other places who have offers of the five-star prospects from USC are going to visit them 
and like it's going to be like the same way that Oklahoma was last year. And Oklahoma, I think, was recruiting a rung below the elite programs if you go look at the classes that they, but not when it came to offensive skill. And, you know, I was talking to Antonio Morales, our uh, USC writer, and he said that USC's biggest problem will be recruiting linemen on both sides. And I'm curious to see how they address that. But I think USC will not only take the next jump in the context of the sport because they've done better in California, I think they will become a national recruiting outfit now. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think for, for Ohio State's purposes, obviously, that, that impacts a lot of things, but I think it, it makes it harder to go to South Central or, excuse me, Southern California. Um, Bishop Gorman, probably, where the, where the Branch brothers are, as you mentioned. I, I think you're not you're not the only one who, who's been saying that there seems to be a lot of momentum for those guys to stay out West now, um, which I'm sure sucks for Ohio State because they seem to really take advantage of the uncertainty at USC and put themselves in a good position for Zion Branch and, and uh I mean, how many players has Ohio State taken out of, out of the West Coast the last two years, like 10? Quite a bit, yeah. And the, the, the other thing that's interesting for me is like – because there's a – Zion Branch is, is the big one, but also Ernest Green, uh, offensive lineman, at, at uh, St. John Bosco out there in, in California too. Like they, Ohio State had made really good inroads, I think, at Bosco. Um, I talked to their recruiting coordinator on the phone on Sunday. Yeah, and I'm wondering, like, I don't, I don't think that door at Bosco closes to Ohio State now. Like, I think, I think it's the kind of place that, like, once you're in, you're there and you have those relationships and, and, and you work them to your benefit. But um, Lincoln Riley and USC are going to defend Bosco and they're going to defend modern day and – it's just the same um, thing that we always talk about recruiting. It's just it's time. Nobody's pretending like Ohio State won't be able to get guys. Like Ohio State is still Ohio State, but it's going to be a matter. Heard, it's going to be a matter of whether or not they view it as a good use of their time. I don't know um, how much in play USC was for Ernest Green before all this. Have you heard anything in regards to him and and the USC staff? I talked to uh, the recruiting coordinator at Bosco on Sunday when I was writing the profile about. Uh, Riley to USC and I just asked him about Ernest and he said Ernest was like getting ready to make a decision um, pretty soon and that like now USC is making him question whether or not he needs to do more due diligence before making that decision but my understanding was that Georgia was the team to beat here so I don't know I mean I know Ohio State was in on him and you know all the teams that I think are in play are what Alabama Ohio State Georgia Texas and SC it'll be very interesting to see how long he pushes back his decision now. And like, look, we're, we're, we're December 2nd and you know, that's 13 days or 12 days away from when these kids can sign. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if like some of these Southern California prospects don't sign during the early signing period. Yeah. Right. right. Um, Cause like if he doesn't sign in two weeks with, with one of these teams, then I feel like USC is the team to beat. Like that's, a, there's an indication there that USC would be the, the team. Right, right. Um, the last one, and I think this is a little bit different of a situation, but but it's still a quote unquote Southern California kid, uh, Hero Canoe, the defensive tackle in the 2022 class, who's originally from Germany but plays at uh, Rancho Santa Margarita, which is like 50 miles, I think, from from USC's campus outside of LA. Uh, he was not really considering USC, but was considering Oklahoma and had good relationships there, has really good relationships with Ohio State too. And I think there was a lot of reasons to feel really good about where Ohio State was in that recruitment. And, and they're probably still... And buddy, is. after that Michigan game, this might be their number one most important target in the class right now. Hero Canoe and Caden Curry. Yeah. yeah. 
like 1A, 1B, whatever word you want to put them in. Um, I'm wondering now if if Lincoln Riley and his USC polo can get in Hero Canoe's ear and try to keep him West Coast base, which would – it's not really keeping him close to home because he's not from there. Like I said, he's not really a California kid, but it is nearby. Uh, Bill, once you live in a, California for 10 minutes, you're a California kid. <laughs> well, I think I, I think with him it's like – it's yeah. Like if his mom lived in California, I I think that would be like no. I know you're like saying I know you're sealed saying. deal, but but she doesn't. Um, but he has one official visit left. So and and I think his plan had been to uh, sign and then announce in in one at one of the All Star games. And as far as I know, that's still the plan. But again, I wonder if if USC might be able to to put that off and and make that another battle for sure. Ohio State as it tries to finish off this class. Yeah, I mean probably. Now, the thing that I will find interesting here, and I, I mentioned this before, but if you look at the commitments or the, the types of players that uh, USC is, they've got four commitments right now. Like, their class is empty. And one That's of them's insane. A, one four? of them is a punter. Well, <laughs> three or four guys decommitted, air quotes, the yeah. last few days. Um, and one's a punter, too, from Australia, which I'm sure you could get behind. Oh, um, national title incoming. But all the players, like less than the twenty, especially in the twenty twenty three class. Now, Relic Brown, the five star running back who was committed to Oklahoma, decommitted from Oklahoma on on Wednesday, and is announcing his decision on Thursday. I think the idea is that it's going to be um, USC. So, you know, Makai Lemon, who was an athlete wide receiver, like these guys, the wide receivers in the in the classes, are all trending towards SC because why wouldn't you? Right, like, why wouldn't you go play for Lincoln Riley at, in the Coliseum? I'm very curious to yeah. see if USC can get linemen. Like, are they going to be able to get Canoe? Are they going to be able to get Green? Because those guys want to go play big time football out. You know, Lincoln Riley is a legitimizing force, but if you're a defensive lineman, do you want to go play at Georgia or do you want to go play at SC right now? You know what I mean? And that's that's yeah, that's or you want to go play for Larry Johnson? So. Very absolutely something to track, but I'm curious to see what is going to happen with those guys. I don't know. Um, I think defensive lineman, you're right on. O- offensive lineman, I-, I-, I thought I saw that he was bringing Bill Beatonball with him as offensive line coach, but then like I- he wasn't there with him when he went to LA. So I don't, I- I'm assuming that's still happening. Like he's one of the probably top five offensive line coaches in the country. And for as much reputation as Lincoln Riley has as like a quarterback guru when they get a bunch of quarterbacks and receivers, like they play a pretty physical brand of football. Um, which is why I thought that Ryan Day should try to hire Bill Beatonball if he could. Um, but I don't know if that's going to be on the table now, if he's just going to go to USC with him. I reacted. I didn't to, say anything, but I reacted. If he goes – well, we're going to get into some of the okay. stuff. <laughs> and, and, and I think and I think, I think we should probably start with Larry Johnson because you, you mentioned him there. Clearly um, influential in the recruitment of Hero Canoe. Like, I've never – I didn't go to every summer camp last year. I went to like four of the six or seven, whatever there were. Um, but I was there the day that Hero Canoe was there. And I'm not sure I've ever like witnessed a player and coach like hit it off immediately in the way that Larry Johnson and Hero Canoe did. And it was like that day, I was like, okay, Hero Canoe is going to Ohio State. Um, and then he like hung around the next day. And Ohio State's been in a really good spot ever since then. And I actually believe Are you that saying it was love at first sight? It, it really, it truly was. Um, and I think as long as Larry Johnson is, is Ohio State's defensive line coach next year, uh, that they'll—I I still think they're going to get Hero Canoe. Um, 
but there's some question about that. Like I know uh, Austin Ward at Letterman Row, who always has really good sources on this stuff and, and who's reporting I trust, said that there's more smoke around the Larry Johnson retirement rumors than, than there has been um, in the past. It's something that's come up every year for like the last five, six years, maybe even longer than that. But, but Larry's always kind of stuck around. I, I will say like I, I tried to check in on some of that, and I was told that like nothing was decided on that. And from what I was told, like I would think that Larry is going to be back next year. So that would be to Ohio State's benefit as they try to finish out what could be a really strong defensive line class if they can get Caden Curry and Hero Canoe and perhaps Omari Abor to add to Kenyatta Jackson. That's like a really good defensive line class. That's probably the second best on paper behind last year's group that they, they will have signed, um, at least since I've been covering the team. So um, I, I don't have any reason to believe right now that Larry Johnson's leaving or retiring, excuse me, but I, I suppose it's on the table. But I, I think based off what I was told the other night, I would be surprised if that happened. But the other thing with this is, too, I think Ohio State is trying to keep a lot of staff stuff under wraps and just kind of get to the early signing day, and then maybe we'll hear some more stuff after that happens. So um, as it pertains to that, like where – Can I ask much... a question that has nothing yeah, to yeah, do – um, it has something to do with you. So let's just say Larry Johnson, or no, sorry, the perfect assistant is a 10 on a scale from 1 to 10, and a 1 is an assistant. Bill that, Davis. I was going to say another one. That would have been worse, but yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right now, how do you feel about Larry? Pre- still pretty good. Um, uh, like an 8, maybe? Where were you a year ago? 10 okay so i'm not insane no i think i think these i I think he and i think he would tell you like his group didn't play well last year this this well this year i guess we're still in this year his his defensive line his his last year we're all we're on the (laughs) fantasy we're talking about recruiting now in the middle of december so yeah um uh yeah he had he had his position group had a bad year last year um but he also signed like a killer class in 2021 like you got jt toy malo and jack sawyer and mike hall like yes thought doesn't get much better than that um and if he can if he can close the deal with with the group that he's after this year like killer class in 2022 I just think, so i think still i think he's still i think he's still got the juice um i just think this wasn't one of his this, better coaching jobs but yeah, this I isn't an implication that, that he should be fired <laughs> like don't like no, no, but know, I, like, I think i think the fact that this past year wasn't his best year on the field in, increases the likelihood that he might want to come back and, and make that right before he ultimately decides to retire. I think that it's interesting that Ohio State's defense has been really, really good for the last 12, 10 years, whatever, for the exception of the 18 season and this season. And, and for, last year. <laughs> but for the most part, Ohio State has had a first-round pick at defensive end. Yep. Two Bosa's and Chase Young. And when you have that guy on your team, when you have your Aiden Hutchinson or whatever you want to state it, your defense is just a different unit. I don't care what your scheme is or how good the other. Like, if you have somebody that's going to wreck a, an opposing offense, your defense is just better. And I find it to be very disappointing that, and I don't know maybe how much you can put this on a defensive line coach's plate, that Zach Harrison never turned out to be that. Or that Tyreek Smith never turned out to be that. And I know that it's that's the highest possible standard, and maybe Tyreek Smith shouldn't be held to that because he wasn't rated that way. He was borderline five-star. 
they haven't had a very good pass rush. And their defensive line got blown off the ball by Michigan for four quarters. So I don't know if that's a strength coach issue. I don't know if that's a heart issue uh, in terms of wanting it less than the opponent or whatever other halftime speech you would see in Rudy. I I don't know if Mm -hmm. that is a skill set or a coaching. I don't know what that is. But Zach Harrison is on Bruce Feldman's freak list. You said that he ran a... Four second gonna, forty with with clown shoes on in the rain, like in the rain. That's what right. is going on? Uh, well, I think I think sometimes the evaluations can be off from the jump, right? And we and we get these lofty expectations for guys who just aren't built the same way as the guy, like as a Bosa as a young. I think that happens. I think that's partly what built happened the same with, way, with like Zach. emotionally or physically. Built the same you could way say, like, with, with Harrison like the, that he the, was certainly the total built physically package. Like, the same but, way. but but like Zach Harrison, who by the way I think has like been a, a pretty good college player. I agree with you 100 percent that he never quite became what we all thought he was going to be. Um, and I think it was pretty apparent from the beginning that it wasn't coming. Right, but he he would be far from the first player to be a freak athlete who never became a freak football player you know what i mean like that, that happens sometimes i don't, I don't how many I don't defensive ends like if we w- i mean it's be an interesting thing but like usually when ohio state's who had a five-star defensive lineman that five-star defensive lineman turns out to be really 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 impactful I, I, I bet you if you went back to the beginning of larry johnson's first year at ohio state and you added up his hit rate i bet you'd be higher than other coaches i think that's right and, yeah. I, and it probably and, I, and it probably is to a certain extent, because playing defensive line is just being about a, a physical brute, you know, but it's certainly a lot about athleticism, too. And it's just like you would think that his size, strength and athleticism would have just been a no doubt about it scenario. So and I, and I think that if you added Chase Young to this year's team, then this year's team is still uh, potentially undefeated and maybe going to the playoff right now. Like, I think yeah, I think you can make that fix a lot of problems. Yeah. Yep. So. I think you're. No, I think I think you're right, and I think it's. A, I think it's a fair criticism of of the development of that position over the last couple of years. Um, on on the other side of that coin, I would be very excited about Jackson. So like, what happened to Haskell Garrett? Well. Uh, Dude was like the best defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman in the in the Big Ten last year. I think there. I think some sometimes, and we've seen it happen here because it happened for an. Oh, I guess it didn't really happen for an entire season because those guys couldn't go. I think sometimes when you should go pro and you don't go pro and you come back, uh, there's there's a little something missing there. I just I, and I don't I don't know what that is yeah. either. Like I think Haskell Garrett's a good player who didn't have a great season, um, didn't have a bad season. Like he was first team All Big Ten, but um, I th- and also too didn't have Tommy Togiai next to him. Yeah, which uh, was not something that was talked about a whole. They lot. did have Teron Vincent have, next to him, and uh, that didn't work out. Yeah, Teron. Teron Vincent ain't, ain't, a, ain't a nose tackle. Um, and I was uh, – something I wondered about coming into the year, how that would work out, because they didn't really have that guy, like a, like a Togi eye, like a Devon Hamilton. Um, even a B.B. Landers is a different kind of guy, but still a presence at that position. Uh, they didn't have it, and, and I think that hurt them. It didn't hurt them as much. Maybe it did hurt them as much as not having an, an elite pass rusher, but it hurt them not having a guy like that. Um and I think that's why you want to see him. Well, even like I don't even know like Caden Curry and, and is probably not that hero canoe. I guess could be because he's he's a pretty strong dude, even if he's not like a three hundred and thirty. His name is Hero Canoe. He better be. Yeah, um, 
Tyleek Williams might be that um, and, and probably arguably should have played more toward the latter part of the year. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, leaving something to be desired, I think, along with the entire defensive line. So if you if you're Ryan Day and you assess that and you say, like, you know what? Nothing about this defense is good enough. I'm tearing it down to the studs, and that includes getting rid of a guy who is who has earned, I think, the, the title of being like a legendary defensive line coach. I think that's warranted. Uh, I just I'm just not sure that's going to happen. I, I don't. I, I'm having having a hard time trying to figure out exactly how drastic I think these changes are going to be, which is what what I wanted to ask you there. Like, what is your anticipation in terms of how much staff shakeup we see, or, or what do you anticipate from a Ryan from Ryan Day who has some hard assessments to do after losing to Michigan and not making the playoff? I anticipate there's going to be quite a bit of shakeup. I watched the uh, the news conference after the Michigan game. That was like the saddest he's ever looked to me. Yes. And I think that sadness is a precursor to change. Yeah, and and in the time in between then like Josh Gaddis is out here calling your team soft. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like and and the head coach of Michigan said you were born on third base. Yeah. Right. Also, we were making fun of Josh Gaddis for not knowing how to call an offense a year ago and now he's a Broyles finalist. Call I mean Michigan largely just kicked Ohio State's ass up and down the field running the ball, but when Josh Gaddis had to dip into his bag to pull out a little something different, he did it and it worked. So kudos to him. He called a really good game. Had a good plan, called a good game. Yeah. And and when you win, you get to talk shit. And, yeah, no, you know, yeah. all not, the power to him. He say, should keep doing it. That's what makes it I, fun. I, honestly, I don't – you know, him saying that Ohio State's not a tough team, I don't I don't think there are many Ohio State fans who disagree with him, to be, to be perfectly honest. I think it's actually a fair criticism. Um, you don't want to hear it <laughs> from your rival uh, after they beat you, but I think it's probably largely true, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think – I just don't know. Like, what do you mean? Like, like, like the thing, too, is – and it's hard to quantify when it comes to coaching, but, like, when you think of coaching, you think of putting the right players on the field – Developing those players into good players and putting them into a scheme that they can excel in. It's just like if you think that Ohio State is soft, then that's directly pointed to their strength coach, right? That's where I would start. You start at the strength coach, then you start to the head coach, and then trickle all the way down to game day to get them to play with an attitude. But it's just like, how do you fix the softness? Do you fix it by replacing assistants, or do you fix it by changing your mentality? I mean, do they need to hire uh, to hang some bullshit banner up on the Woody Hayes Center that has some weird slogan like Urban used to do? To like, what's this one going to be? The hardening? <laughs> yeah, I don't like like slo- slogans and banners. I don't unless you want to, you know. By all means, go ahead and put forty two twenty seven up there in the weight room. Wait, you think that's going to be think... a thing when you go into spring football? The first day of spring oh, yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, dude! After, like everyone's going to take pictures thing, of it. Yeah, it was a thing after they lost the door the code. Yeah, if you want to break into the code. Woody Hayes Center, the door code's forty two twenty seven. Door code is forty two twenty seven. Yeah, yeah go ahead. stop over there. Get yourself. Go ahead and get yourself a pizza from the cafeteria. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think I think we'll see some of that shit, but it's not like it's not a. It's it is it is a mindset thing, and it is like I. It, it does make me wonder a little bit about Ryan. Like I think Ryan Day is just a different personality than what was running that program for the seven years prior to him. And say whatever you want about Urban Meyer, uh, that dude knew how to make people play with an edge. And and I I don't know. Ohio State's had it in some games under Ryan Day. Uh, I think it's easier to have one when you are immensely talented compared to the rest of your competition as they were for much of 2019. I would say the last two years, um, they lacked that in a significant way. And I think that starts with the head coach and the, and the strength coach. And it's not to say they can't get them there, but they have to get them there. I think that is like 
Well, now Ohio State can come into next year and be like, yeah, we're, we're, no one respects us. We're the underdog, blah, 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 all that crap, I guess. But like, well, they're not the underdog, but I do think I, 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 Ohio State's never an underdog. Yeah. They might say that. They're going to say it, is what I'm saying. It's never true. But, but I do, I do think that they lost a little bit of clout with this disrespect, whatever you want to call it. Like, People people saw an Ohio State team get its ass kicked by Michigan, uh, get pushed around by a, an Oregon team that is probably like above average to good at best. Um, I think you 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 they saw Ohio State bleed, and and that's not happened a whole lot in the last decade, um, especially on that kind of stage in that kind of game. So I think there is a little something lost there that Ohio State has to try to get back. For sure, I don't like yeah. label it whatever you wanted. I think I think they did lose something that they have to try to get back. Um, in addition to figuring out how they want to play, play defense and who are the right people to, to be calling that thing and offense too. Like I think, um, I think he needs he needs a new defensive coordinator. I know we were asked a couple episodes ago. I think it was on a on a mailbag show that was for subscribers. So maybe not everyone listening to this heard that. But we were asked, is Matt Barnes going to be the defensive coordinator last year? And both of our answers were, ask us after the game. Um, here's our answer after the game. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like – I think, again, I think Matt Barnes is a really good coach, and I think it would be to Ohio State's benefit to keep him around. Again, cleaning houses on the table and fair. Uh, they need a veteran defensive coordinator who runs his own shit, who Ryan Day can leave the hell alone and stay out of the defensive room because he's not a defensive coach and like let that guy be the head coach on the defensive side of the ball. Whether that's like an up and coming NFL guy who you think has the goods and you want to give him a, give him a shot to call his own defense, or it's a veteran established. Like you get Alex Grinch back into the building. Not Alex Grinch. As someone as someone who wrote uh, after Alex Grinch left for Oklahoma that Alex Grinch leaving was a loss for Ryan Day uh, and maybe and, and quite possibly the worst take I've ever had. Uh, he's at USC now, right? Alex. He is at USC now. Uh, he had one good defense at Oklahoma. His other two defenses stunk. Um, I think he's not very good. I would not want him as my defensive coordinator. I don't want Chris Ash as my defensive coordinator. Stop huffing Urban's farts. Go find somebody else who can like who has not been in the building before and like has new ideas and good ideas. Like we don't have to just recycle Urban's old staff. You're allowed to hire new people. Um, I want them to hire a smart, innovative, competent outside person. That those are those are my uh, that those that's the resume I would like for whoever. We don't like huffing defensive coordinators. Huffing <laughs> Urban's farts. Yeah. <laughs> Stop huffing Urban Meyer's farts, dude. You want to get like somebody like Halfley, like some like yeah, Halfley be good. Yeah, charismatic, uh, young NFL mind who knows how to run a defense and has no ties to the program. Yeah, I think I think uh, I I would be curious like the fan base's reaction. I I don't I don't think a Halfley type would be automatically a bad decision, but when you when you say that you're talking about a person who has no prior coordinator experience. And and I think maybe most of this fan base and maybe most of the people listening would rather have somebody. Who do they want? Bill Cowher? I mean, like, there's only there's a certain extent of like, and I get well, the, like Will Mush Will Muschamp. It's just a name that I'm saying. It's not yeah. based off anything. But I think like a guy like that. Um, shit, I don't know. I'd look at the teams that had good defenses, like Oklahoma State's defense is nasty. Go hire Jim Knowles. Houston's defense is nasty. Go hire Doug Belk. Like I, I don't know. It doesn't have to be Mark D'Antonio. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, frankly, probably probably shouldn't be Mark Antonio <laughs> for a lot of reasons. Um, but someone like Landis got like a little someone... pep in his step today. I'm not. I'm not hating it. Well, I you just fired up like, today, I'm not, buddy. I'm not. 
I'm just I'm I'm curious more than anything to see what Ryan Day does. I don't think he can stand Pat, and I don't think he will stand Pat. But if his version of uh, aggressively attacking things is just like walking down the hallway and knocking on someone's door who's already been there and says like, "Hey man, you want to be a position coach?" Like that's not good enough for where Ohio State is right now. They got to go out and get somebody who has like a tra- either a track record of doing this at a high level, or 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 has, has illustrated like, the traits in a yeah. lower position that would make you feel like this is a star in the making. We're going to give him the keys of the car, but whoever right. you give the keys of the car to has to have the keys of the car. There's no come have the keys of the car, but let me only drive it on the weekends. Like it's like right. whoever, so. whoever you hire, you have to go all in on and let them do their thing because I mean, you get it. So like, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's where they're at on, on defense. Um, I don't. I don't have. It's it, at least on my end. It's been kind of quiet, so I don't. I don't really have anything concrete to tell anybody about that. But, um, and then I think there's probably some change coming on offense too. Kevin Wilson was mentioned for the Akron job. Now it sounds like that's going to go to Joe Moorhead. Um, would not be surprised if Kevin Wilson's name comes up again because that guy really wants to be a head coach. Um, Tony Alford, I don't think would go anywhere unless Colorado State opened, and Colorado State should open. Because uh, Colorado State found itself huffing Urban's farts, <laughs> that got them Steve Adazio, uh, and you never want to be left holding Steve Adazio. Uh, so I think it. I think that it makes there. sense that Urban Meyer can make things happen when, under Urban Meyer, but if you try to be Urban Meyer without being Urban Meyer, then it's going to be a bad thing. Is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Because like uh, I, I do wonder, and like, what are we? What minute are we in? Fifty. Okay, so I'll just. I'm not going to say what I was going to say because that would. You know, put us over the New time episode. limit. New episode. <laughs> I'm gonna let me say this for the next episode, and then you can write this down with your Mark Cuban gif. In my pen. I think we might be on the verge of reappreciating how good of a coach Urban was. I don't know. Yeah, like, like I, I think, think like, we could I be two years away from being like, oh my god, why did I celebrate when this man left? Possibly. I don't know if anyone thought that Urban was a bad coach. No, no. I think um, reappreciating how transcendent he was and not appreciating how hard it would be to replace him. Because it went from, oh, oh yeah, my yeah, God, yeah, they yeah. just hired Ryan Day to, like, everything's fine, and everything was fine. But it also Replacing was... Replacing guys like that is difficult. Yeah. Uh, ask uh, ask Larry Coker. And the, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, don't, I don't know that... Ryan Day is Larry Coker. I mean, Larry Coker crashed and burned really bad. And Ryan Day made the playoff two years in a row after. And, like, listen, the man just lost his first Big Ten game a week ago. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that Urban was. You know how I feel about him. I think he's an incredible college football coach. Yeah. And I think that it is apparent to me that there are certain things that he did at running this program that is just hard to duplicate. Yep, but and I also think there's cautionary tales there with Urban too, like the things things that were his undoing at Ohio State was uninspired coaching hires. And at the moment, it feels like uninspired coaching hires are becoming a little bit of Ryan Day's undoing. Not that he can't get it fixed. He certainly can't. Which is get it crazy fixed. because his first hire ever was amazing. Who was that? Halfley was his first, wasn't it? Oh, right, right, right. No, I think – and that's the thing. It's like Ryan Day – so this is Ryan Day's third offseason, right? Or I guess f- fourth. I don't know. His first – I thought he did a really good job. Maybe aside – like his – no, I thought – yeah, his first offseason, we brought in Al Washington, who I, I don't – Can be, Jeff. 
not done a particularly seen- good job here. Um, can be Jeff. <laughs> yeah, he's just, it's not, linebacker play should be better, man. Um, and linebacker recruiting outside of kids who aren't from Ohio should probably be better too. Um, but that, in general, he did a good job, I thought, with that staff. Greg Madison, Jeff Halfley, um, Mike Yersich, whatever I could take or leave. But Madison and Halfley in particular. Uh, second time around, not that good of a job. He has another chance to do it. So Over or under think- how many new assistants there will be on the team next year? So they have 10. I'm trying to just do math in my head real quick. Well, yeah, so knowing how many total they had is a big hurdle for you. No, no, I'm trying to oh, okay. I'm trying to count up. I'm trying to count up who I think like will definitely be back. Honestly, I feel like people who I think will definitely who I feel like good about definitely being back, I think I'm like 3. <laughs> um Yeah. Who are they? And then we'll and, and that's then like, we'll go. And it's like yeah. two and a half. I think like Heartline for sure. Uh, Corey Dennis, um, Tony Alford, unless Colorado State opens up and he takes and he gets that job, which I think is realistic if it does open up. But if it doesn't, then I think he stays. Did, so I read the report that that Kelly tried to get Alford to go to LSU. By the way, yeah, you want to know if <laughs> tell me tell me you're an asshole without telling yeah, me no, you're an I know. Asshole. I was going like, to no, say no literally one, nobody, no one's going with that guy. <laughs> um. Notre I would say Dame those columns. Three. Like I read Pete Sampson's <laughs> column today, and I'm like, "Holy shit, dude! Notre Dame just leveled up." Yeah, is that like how everybody feels right now? Like they they have we said Marcus Freeman's name on this podcast? We should talk about it for a minute. Well, he's not going to be Ohio State's defensive coordinator, yeah, <laughs> because he's not Notre Dame's head coach. Um, I, but just real quick, I, the question I, you okay, asked me, I think it's Hartline, Dennis, Alford. I feel really good about, and I would put like a half. Between Kerry Combs and Matt Barnes, I'm if like if you like maybe make a decision, I would say probably both those guys could be back in different capacities. So that's five, and then you could be looking at five new ones. So I would set the over under at like three and a half, four, and I might take the over on either of those. Yeah, you think it'll be like ex coach takes job at Iowa State? Like you think that's how it's yeah. going to happen, or do you think it's going to be like? Uh, the prison scene in Breaking Bad season five. I don't know. That's the thing. It's like yeah. Usually when when Urban when Urban when Urban quote unquote fired, fired somebody, somebody, they always like, got like, a no, job. Ed, yeah. Ed Warner decided he wanted to go to Minnesota. He wasn't fired. Like okay, whatever, right, whatever dude. you say. Yeah. Um. So uh. Yeah. I think I think if everyone on offense except for Greg Sudrawa came back, I think that's probably in the cards too. I I my opinion. I don't know what they're going to do. I think they need a new offensive line coach. I think they need a new offensive line coach. They need a new linebackers coach. And they need a defensive coordinator who can be left the hell alone to do his own thing. I think those are the three big things that Ohio State needs. I'm with you, bud. Yeah. I was out on – so listen, at Ohio State, we have this tendency, and I don't know if it's we, but people. People go from best to worst very quickly, and they go from worst to best very quickly. I don't know if you were around during this time, but there was a time where Luke Fickle being fired as Ohio State's defensive coach was trending on Twitter. Yep. So, like, I know there are good seasons. I know that there are bad seasons. And I know that the way things play out isn't always an indication of who you are as a coach or person. Like, Mickey Marotti was the best strength coach in America two years ago, and now Ohio State is soft. So, like, which one is it? You know? I So I didn't want to, like, get 
caught up on this, but I have not been impressed by Al Washington for two years now. And like Al Washington two years ago was like a head coaching candidate for BC that everybody was terrified would leave. And it's just like, uh, can you give me one thing about Ohio state's linebackers, both recruiting or their play that makes you think that he's done a good job? I mean, they have CJ Hicks and Gabe Powers coming in, but I think those are two kids who would come to Ohio State if you or I were the linebacker. Oh, you mean the two coach. Ohio kids? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Who are like, by the way, they're awesome. And I think CJ Hicks is going to be a star here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, again, they would come here if, if you were you the know, linebacker. My, coach. If my yeah. dog was a linebacker. Coach. Yes. Yeah. I would too. Your dog's pretty cool. Yeah. Everyone loves doggo. Landis's dog is a wiener dog that weighs like six pounds, and, he, and she tried to jump over a seven or eight foot fence when she saw a bird. And hit her she face on the, the fence. Yeah. She does it all the time. <laughs> that's suck a dreamer right there. That's right. That's, that's, a, that's, <laughs> that's a dog that, you know, that, that dog can accomplish anything in, in her own mind. Um, Do you, um, can you, so we're at, we're at 58 minutes and we can go over an hour, but like, uh, do you have a, a condensed-ish thesis on the impact of Marcus Freeman being the head coach at Notre Dame now and what that might mean for Ohio State? I have two thoughts and they conflict. Okay. You know, somebody said to me the other day, on, or Mitch said on Stars Matter, he said that I'm a hot take artist. And is that how I am to you? I think you have hot, ta- hot take artist. Like, like, do you think I have a lot of hot takes? Because to me, like, yeah, I feel I think like... You, I, feel I think like, you fly off the cuff a lot. Yeah. I feel like hot takes are just bullshit spewed against the wall with no reason and are irrational. And I feel like the things that I think and say are rational. I don't. I also don't. And I don't based think in reason, kind of, I think sometimes hot take artists say things they don't actually mean. It. I don't think you do that. No, I I believe everything I'm saying. So that's why I'm making fun of myself right now because I have two feelings about what happened at Notre Dame and Marcus Friedman. One, I find it completely odd that Notre Dame passed over Marcus Freeman's old boss, who happens to have a group of five team going to the playoff right now in a top thirty class. At that I mentioned a group of five program. Yeah. And I understand that timing and, you know, circumstance might have a part of this. You can't wait till to January to hire Fickle. You might need to make a move right now. But at the same time, so I find that odd. At the same time, though, I completely and utterly admire Notre Dame taking a swing for it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, on, on one hand, I think it's weird. But on the other hand, it's just like, yeah, that's awesome. You know, and I don't know which one, it, like, I feel. Like, I feel like it's going to be good. And it's just like, I, I don't know. Everybody talks about how great Marcus Freeman has been as a recruiter. And I understand that Notre Dame has probably seen some uptick on the defensive side of the ball. But Notre Dame's class this year is fine. It's not an Alabama class. It ranks in the top five because of quantity, not quality. They only have two top one. 2023 players. looks pretty good, though, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, again, it's December 2nd, and the class hasn't before it hasn't signed yet. So, mm-hmm. That, that to me, it's just like, if you think that Marcus Freeman is going to be the player's coach that understands Notre Dame, who play pe- people and players are going to want to play for, is a great defensive mind and is going to recruit his ass off, then it makes sense in theory. I say hire the coach that's going to get you top five classes. I will say that I am a little bit uh, wary of the idea that Notre Dame is going to start signing Bama-like classes. I think the entire reason oh, yeah. why Brian Kelly yeah, left yeah. is because he couldn't do that. I think and he was tired fair. of getting his ass kicked on the on the major stage over things that he couldn't control, like academic standards and um, 
location. I think he wanted to go just have a team of dogs that were gonna yeah. that were you know top one hundred players all across the board. Right, I think that's right. I think I think there is a so you could make I the case, a, Bill, that like going into the SEC is going to be a much harder path to the championship than Notre Dame, obviously. Well, let me let me ask you this, there, because because this impacts Marcus Freeman is going to recruit his ass off in Ohio, which I think impacts Ohio State a little bit, but. Um, as as opposed to now, yeah, I think it's different. When it's you're not like CJ Six Hicks is going to Notre Dame. Like no, that's what that's to me like the result that I would be looking they got for. Bren, they got Brennan Vernon. Yeah, they got a really good shot at getting Luke Montgomery. Ohio State got Sonny Styles. I'm sure. I'm sure Marcus will try to flip Sonny Styles. I don't think he will, but I'm sure he'll try. Um, what we talk about like recruiting ceiling sometimes. How close is Notre Dame to its right now? Pretty close, I think. Top ten classes. Here's the thing. If you have the number seven class, the number 10 class, or the number five class, you know, there's some subjectivity between those. Breaking through Notre Dame ceiling means being in the top four. Yeah. I don't know if Notre Dame can do that. I don't know if they physically can get enough kids into college at their standard to do that. I think that's fair. I think, I think I'd probably agree with that. Um, and then my second question would be this. In terms of, of where where you think Notre Dame is and going – as it pertains to being a threat to Ohio State, like what kind of threat level do you think that is? You want to put a number on it or whatever? Like you, Notre Dame was probably a level three threat level before because Notre Dame has hurt Ohio State in Ohio more than any other team. In three out of what? Five? Ten? Three. Three out of ten. Okay. And if it happens I once think- every three years, like it's a, it's a minor inconvenience. I think Notre Dame might now be like a four. I think I'd be like a smidge higher on that. Like a five, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like the thing Dude, about they had really it, good battles. Do, they had really think, good battles. Do you think that him being on Notre Dame's staff as a defensive coordinator and him being the head coach changed things? Or do you think if, as long as he's on the staff? You see what I'm saying? Like, if he becomes the face of the program, does Notre Dame become more dangerous using him as that superpower than they would be if he was just on the staff? For now, yes. If he's, I think, I think there's like an immediate bump in that way because he was already there. It's not like they went out and got somebody. Like, but now it's his already, program, and yeah. like I don't even know. Like, I'm, I'll make I'll make an assumption about Brian Kelly. I don't think kids were going there for Brian Kelly. In fact, I think maybe some kids didn't go there because of Brian Kelly. Um, you can say it. He's an asshole, and everybody thinks it. Yeah, not enough people were talking about the fact that Notre Dame's head coach is no longer an asshole. And I think I think that I think that could be to Notre Dame's benefit if Marcus Freeman is like a cool young dude, good football coach, great relationship builder, who like cares about getting to know the players on his team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't he like maybe he'll be in way over his head, and that'll prove itself over time. Um, but I think for now, I think I think there's going to be an immediate bump, and like if he's ready for this and he's a good football coach, I think I think his recruiting chops are, are not to be dismissed i think I recruiting think chops are important but i also think that there are circumstances about notre dame that it doesn't matter who you are yeah. that you can't change it's just like right like brian hartline is a great recruiter there are circumstances about his situation that aid in his greatness so like as much as we individualize our ratings of a person or a coach based on how we view them as a recruiter 
I think we would be dumb to ignore the circumstance. And the circumstance didn't change. So it might be cooler. It might be more interesting. Um, Notre Dame might get two or three more kids a class that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. But, like, they didn't just change their academic standards. Mm -hmm. They didn't change their geography. You know what I mean? They were already signing top ten classes. So, like, if you think that he's going to make them top five, then great. I just doubt that that's going to happen. I think it's fair skepticism. I I would be and, – and listen, Notre Dame took a really big risk in, in doing this, but I'm, I'm almost kind of glad they did. I think more programs should do that. Um, they take a swing. If you, think you, if, you, if you think you have the guy. Um, Ohio State did it with Ryan Day. Um, Oklahoma did it with Lincoln Riley. Hasn't worked everywhere. Didn't work for Oregon when it did it with Mark Helfrich. Um, but I respect I respect kind of – I respect the decision Notre Dame made. I'm interested to see where it goes, and, and I, I think highly enough of Marcus Freeman that – um, if Notre Dame was right about him, that that there is an elevation that can happen there, starting on the recruiting front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very curious to see what this means for for Luke Fickle. Well, I think it means that he just waits for Ohio State now, right? Is that is that a thing? What do you mean? He's going to stay at Cincinnati for 12 years. Well, 12 years, I don't know. I mean, I think I think he's more likely to be there for the long term because of their move to the Big 12 and, and the looming expansion of the playoff. Do you think that Luke Fickle would be an attractive candidate for Ohio State if Ryan Day took the Bears job? Yes. Like, Do you think that that would be like the automatic link that they would make? Yeah. That's not going to yeah, happen, right? Because their Ryan Ohio the State NFL? fans are afraid of that right now. No, I don't think so. Um, I think he'll have interest and has had interest. I don't think he'll go. Um, I don't. He does. He just doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would go out like that. Go out losing to Michigan, and maybe that's like a stupid thing to say, but but I think that does factor in. Um, so, do you think if they would have beaten Michigan, you'd say maybe? I think if Ohio State had beaten Michigan, gotten to the playoff, and like won a national title, and the NFL came calling the Ryan Day. I think it'd be more of a decision in his head for or more of a conversation in his head. And, and I think possibly he would go. I don't think now is when he makes that leap. If he's the coach, we all think he is. Then the NFL is, isn't going to go away. They're going to come out from every year. And I, I don't think he wants to leave. Well, I just Ohio think the, the Justin Fields connection is interesting. I was trying to think like, is there any precedent for that? Where it's like actually worked bring in the, like, no, draft the quarterback. I, can, highly. I can remember. Draft the quarterback highly and then bring in his college coach to help him. They would have hired Dabo in Jacksonville. Yeah. I'm sure that wouldn't have gone over real well, Dabo. Dabo shtick with a bunch of millionaires. I think that, yeah, that's a great decision. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't, I don't, I think the NFL is on Ryan Day's horizon as long as he continues ascending in the college ranks. Uh, but I don't think this is the offseason where he goes. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fret too much about that. Yeah. That's where I'm at on that. But, you know. I don't know. Chicago Bears off from thirteen million dollars. Who knows? I have no idea. He's gonna get a, he's gonna get a pay bump. I know that because Brian Kelly is making a billion dollars a year, and uh, Lincoln Riley is making ten million dollars a year. So Ryan Day, who's due like seven point six, I think this season uh, off the contract extension he signed last year, is probably gonna get another one and probably gonna get a pay raise. So thanks. Uh, shout out to LSU and Oklahoma for getting everybody paid because they really did, man. 
Mel Tucker's making ten million dollars a year thanks to LSU. James Franklin is making whatever the hell he's making thanks to LSU. It's off the rails a little. Those those programs got everyone the bag. Not not even just their own head coaches. It's off the rails. Uh, and and Ryan Day's going to get one too. So a uh, lot of stuff happening. A lot of moving parts uh, this off season. Signing day is less than two weeks away from today. Uh, we'll talk more about that in the lead up to it. We'll, we'll obviously stay on top of staff changes as well and, and what that all means. And, and I think to um, just kind of talk about where Ohio State's going as a program, and I don't mean that to sound doom and gloom. I think Ohio State is still a very good program. Is Ryan Day the long-term answer at Ohio State? We'll catch you next week on <laughs> <laughs> Ohio State's still good. Ohio State's still good. Let's, I'll, I'll, I'll They're not that, that good. They, Ohio State is still good. They're fine right now. <laughs> Ohio State, Ohio State, uh, Ohio State should be uh, better, um, but they're still good. Don't don't have a meltdown because they lost uh, to Michigan, or don't have a full on meltdown. Just have a mini meltdown. Please just continue to listen to our podcast. Just a tiny one. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.